Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I, I'm, I'm going to say this morning, um, when, you, when you go to the doctor, um, it's, it's the doctor's job to diagnose what's wrong. But I also say that a good doctor doesn't simply just diagnose what's wrong. In fact, that's a frustrating doctor, right? Like, here's what's going on, here's what's wrong. Good luck. <laughs> but a good physician, what, what they will do is then prescribe the solution. And this morning, I would like to humbly diagnose us as foreigner house of prayer. But I have great news this morning. There's a wonderful prescription, and there's complete hope, and there's complete healing this morning. In Ephesians chapter 2, and, and just to be fair, the Ephesians chapter 1 is, is really just a really long introduction. And as we get into chapter 2, we're getting into the meat and potatoes of what Paul has written to the church of Ephesus about. And in chapter 2, he tells them in verse 1, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins and once in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now work in the sons of disobedience. And, and I would say, like, that's what we see in the world today. We see a spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. It's very prevalent. And then he says this in verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And, and I want to highlight here that we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body. I'm going to use a term for this this morning. I'm going to call it hunger. It's the things for which we have hungered for. How many have ever been hungry? You can, it's okay. Have you ever been hungry? Yeah. The, the problem is everyone across the planet is hungry for something. What we don't realize is the thing that we're hungry for, the only thing that will satisfy us is the Word. The only thing that will satisfy us is the Lord. 
The problem is, a lot like a kid, when they're hungry, what do they want to go reach for? Just all the garbage, all the sweets, all the sugars, all the things that are terrible for them. And the reality is, is spiritually, that is us too sometimes. It was all of us before we knew Christ, but I'm going to tell you today, sometimes it's us after we've known Christ. Sometimes we drift back. The scripture tells us you will know them by their fruit. And I stand before you this morning humbled. Because as I look back on the fruit of our last year, I see so many amazing things that have happened. I've seen so many people being discipled towards Jesus, which has been a big push here. And, and, and I've, I've heard so many testimonies of, of what God has done in the hearts and lives of people as, as they pushed in to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, which, which you'll hear more of over the next few weeks. But there's some areas for our house of prayer where we have lacked. And I know because I look at our fruit. A year ago, I, I stood up here on, on Vision Sunday, which we'll be having here at the end of this month. And I declared that it was on my heart to baptize 200 people in the course of the last year. Ladies and gentlemen, we baptized one. And it's time for us to take a hard look. And, and I have to, like as pastor, I have to take responsibility for a lot of that. I have to take a hard look in the mirror. And I have to say, what's wrong? And I would say part of the problem is our hunger. We hunger for the wrong things. Either we hunger for things that seem spiritual and are not, or we just overtly hunger for the things of the world. Starting next Sunday, I'm calling the church to a 21-day fast. We, we call it a Daniel's fast, although there is, if you look it up in the Bible, there's no Daniel's fast in the Bible. And just to keep it really simple, a Daniel's fast is fasting from meats and sweets for 21 days. And if you think that's hard, that's the point. The point is to humble yourself. Turn with me quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's towards the very front of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I think I skipped Leviticus somewhere in there. 
Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, it says, and you will be humbled. It says, he humbled you and let you hunger. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes it is the Lord who is causing us to hunger. Sometimes when you're in need, it is the Lord moving. It's not the enemy attacking you. It is the Lord positioning you to receive. Because here's the reality. You will never eat the things you need to eat when you're filling yourself up with things that are bad for you. The same way when a, when a kid gets sick and all they want to do is they just want to eat just junk food. The best thing you could do is take away the junk food and wait for the kid to get hungry for the things they actually need. It says, he humbled you. And the cry of my heart is, Lord, humble us. And I stand before you today humbled because a year ago I made a statement and we have not not even come close. It says he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. Which is funny because the word manna actually means what is it. He fed you with what is it's, which you did not know. How can you know when you don't know what it is? This is kind of a funny statement here in the Bible. He fed you with what is it, but you didn't know it. Nor did your fathers know. Why? That he, make, he might make you know that man does not live on bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And you might recognize this from Jesus saying the same thing to the enemy when he came to tempt him. Jesus did the same thing, saying, fill yourselves up. Jesus, fill yourself up with something. Just eat this. Turn, turn this rock into bread, Jesus. You could do it. Like, just fill yourself up. And Jesus rebuking the enemy and saying, no. It's okay to be hungry because the greater desire is for the Word of God. The greater desire is for the things of God. I want to read a quote here from Bill Johnson. He said, hunger is a place of humility which keeps us in a place of dependency. And I say this morning, the problem is we're just not hungry sometimes for what God desires for us to need. We're, we are no longer dependent on him because we're no longer hungry for the things of God. Hunger is a place of humility which keeps us in a place of dependency. He goes on to say that hunger gives passion for dreams. 
Some of you have let go of the dreams of God for your life simply because you no longer hunger for the things of God. Last, he says, if I don't maintain hunger, I will live off the interest of yesterday's investments. Meaning, if I don't maintain some sort of hunger for the things of God, I'll just say, you know, I had a good time in Christ once. Oh, yeah, he gave me, he gave me a vision for my life once. And now I'm living off yesterday's bread. I'm no longer seeking a fresh word from God for today. I'm no longer seeking his face for today. Because I met with him once a long time ago. Part of this is that the world is clamoring for our attention. How many know that the world wants your attention? There is, there is this strange paradox in the kingdom of God. So in the world, when I eat, I am no longer hungry. This strange thing happens in the kingdom of God where he just flips everything upside down. The, re- the reality is the more you actually search after God, the more hungry for him you get. The more you feast on him, the more you desire him. We were just in Ephesians chapter 2. What I, what I love about Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll hear more about this here in just a, a moment, is that it, it tells us that we can know the unknowable. Like there's unknowable things of God, and you can know them, but they're unknowable. Yeah, and as soon as you realize you're knowing the unknowable, you realize there's more unknowable, and you'll continue to run after it, and you'll continue to run after it, and the more you truly desire God, the more you truly feast on Him, the hungrier for Him you will get. We have so much in the world that's coming at us. We, we have great addictions, all of us in this room, that keep us from the Word of God. And, and do you realize, like, God created our bodies. He created our brains. How many understand that, right? Um, there's this thing you have in your brain called dopamine. You ever heard of dopamine? Probably everyone here is pretty familiar with it at this point. Dopamine is this chemical in your brain that's released for a lot of different reasons, but the big one we all like to talk about and purpose of this morning is that pleasure, right? Dopamine comes when we, when we have pleasure. It's also the thing we feel when we have great fear. We get a release of dopamine. It gets that fight or flight thing. That's that bust of, burst of uh, dopamine and releases adrenaline and boom, there we go. Dopamine. When, when you eat some sugar, boom, dopamine. It, it rewards you. It's a pleasure sensor in your brain that goes off. Cigarettes, dopamine. Drugs, dopamine. Sex, 
dopamine. All these are dopamine releases. You realize that every time you pick up your phone, that's a dopamine hit right there? Just a little tiny dopamine hit. It's crazy because um, we have like TikTok, and now it's in everything else, Facebook and YouTube. All They have the little, little 20, 30-second videos on there. And if you've ever watched them, which most of you have, You, you watch the video, and then it just repeats itself. So to get past it, you have to swipe, which doesn't make sense, right? Why don't they just automatically swipe to the next one? Do you know why? Because your brain doesn't release the dopamine if it does it itself. To get that dopamine hit, they know. They've done the research. They've figured it out. You will stay on your phone longer if you swipe to the next one. And every time you swipe, that's a hit of dopamine. Just a tiny one. And it's rewarding you. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Dopamine. If you're looking at porn, that's a dopamine hit. And, and it goes with fear, too. Fear is, that's why people love to ride roller coasters. It's a little bit scary, right? You're like, ah, dopamine. People watch scary movies. Why? Because it's a hit of dopamine. And it, it's this thing that happens in our, our brain over and over in 2013, they did an MRI study of people addicted to games on their phone. And what they found was there was structural atrophy in the frontal cortex. Atrophy is when you don't use something and it begins to shrink and die. Like, have you ever seen someone who's sat in bed for several years and their legs just shrivel up? That's atrophy. So actually your frontal cortex, the more you're on those online games, they didn't study it with social media, just online gaming. Your frontal cortex, what is the frontal cortex? That's your decision making. That's your reasoning. They say that's where your personality is held. You actually begin to lose your personality the more you're on this. That's your complex cognitive behaviors are in your frontal cortex, and it begins to shrink up. In 2018, they did another study, and they said there was actually visible atrophy, and this was with smartphone usage in general. Visible atrophy, and they actually were measuring gray matter. Gray matter is your brain tissue. It was actually shrinking. And the greater the screen use, the more the shrinking. These are physical things happening to you. And by the way, this was just a study of a, he was like, was this a reputable study? Well, it was a study of 11,000 people over 10 years. So that's reputable. And teenagers, they've noted that the dopamine releases from a smartphone have caused drinking and sex in teenagers to decrease. That's a positive, I guess. Why were they drinking and doing that? And it was the dopamine hits, right? It was exciting. I'm going to go out and drink. I'm going to go have intercourse with other people. So they're doing that less. However, with smartphones, 
ER visits for cutting has tripled. In that same time. Now, right now I'm just picking on smartphone usage. But there's other things that you use to fill your hunger. Some of us, it's physically food. Some of us, we, we, we stress eat. My dad called us in the room the other day, and he's like, all right, <laughs> no more sugar. I was like, wait a minute, is it for you or all of us? And he was like, well, I'd like it to be for all of us. I was like, well, darn it, Dad, you're not allowed to do that. You can't tell the whole family no more sugar. Can you? Can you do that? You're not my, you're not my dad. Oh, wait, you are. Some of us, the thing we do is we actually physically eat. Some of us, we use social media. Some of us, we use video gaming. Some of us, we use gossiping on the phone. It's true. We all have the different things. And you know what happens in your brain when you do that? Your brain actually has, this is the next part of the dopamine thing. It, your, your brain also has neural pathways. And, and I apologize for bringing some science into this, but it's, it's what happens. It's the way God made us. We have neural pathways in our brain. And God made our brains really cool. Some things we need to be able to do a lot and do it without thinking about. So the more we do something, the faster those neural pathways connect to the point they just connect quickly and we no longer have to even think to do them. Like driving. Driving car. I remember the first time I drove all the way from school to my parents' house and got home and pulled up in the driveway. I was like, whoa, I don't even remember the drive. My brain just automatically took me there. But I remember the first time I was driving, I remember white knuckling at 10 and 2, looking around. <laughs> you remember that day when you first learned to drive? Aren't you glad it's not still that way? Why is it not that way anymore? Because your brain did this cool thing. It made these neural pathways so now you can drive without having to really even think about it. So it's actually a really good thing. Your brain makes shortcuts. But what happens is, when you get bad habits, those also make shortcuts in your brain. And now you have these shortcuts. It's like, like the old wagon days, and they would go down these dirt roads, and the wagons would go down the dirt road over and over again. And what would those wagon wheels make in the road? Little ruts, right? little ruts in the road. So it didn't matter whether you wanted to turn to the right or left. Your wagon was going through those ruts whether you liked it or not because you traveled that path so much. And so when you decide, hey, it's time for me to break a bad habit or do something different, you're actually having to overcome some neurological things that are going on in your brain. You have to break out of those ruts, if you will. Now, I have really good news this morning. God can instantly heal you of those things going on in your brain. I've seen him do it. I've seen people who were addicted to cigarettes for years, boom, healed instantly. I've seen people who were addicted to drugs and to porn and all these things, boom, instantly healed. And it, guys, that's a, that's a healing in your brain that God does. I've seen other people, though, have to struggle through it for years. 
Well, they just weren't living right. No. No, they were just having to learn to humble themselves to trust in their king. And they had to struggle until their brain made new pathways, until those connections atrophied. If you're taking notes, write down Proverbs 23.7. Proverbs 23.7 says this, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And just so you know, that word man is all of you. So women, you're not excluded in this one. I knew you were bad men. No, it's all of us. As you think in your heart, so are you. Here's, here's a few quotes by Craig Rochelle, and I want you to think about these. Who you are today is a result of your thoughts in the past. Who you are right now, today, is a result of your thoughts in the past. And it's brought you here. We're glad you're here. Look around. Tell someone, I'm glad you're here. But if that is true, think about this. Who you become in the future is a result of what you think about today. And I would say like this, who you become in the future is a result of what you hunger for today. What neural connections you allow to continue to go on in your mind. And that's why it's dangerous to have conversations with people that aren't in the room. What do I mean by that? Like when your spouse annoys you and you have conversations with them and they're not there. Well, they'll say this, and then I'll say that, and then they'll say this, and then I'll say that. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know what you're doing right there? You're rehearsing. You're making neural pathways of negativity towards that person in your brain. No, 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 no. We don't want to do that. You know what you could do instead is like, you know, that man, that woman is loved by God, and I want to love them the way Jesus does. Well, that's hard. Well, it's time to establish some new neural pathways in your brain. What you think about today determines who you'll be tomorrow. Or you could say like this, what consumes our mind controls our lives. What consumes our mind controls our lives. What we hunger for determines what we become. And I look back on the last year, and I see so many great things that have happened at Forerunner House of Prayer in the last year, and I'm thankful to God for it. But I see so many areas like, how many people have we truly led to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in the last 365 days? And it's not a big number. And I have to say, I think the problem is, at least in part, we hunger for things that are contrary to the Word of God, and we let our mind fix on things that aren't the Word of God. We don't daydream about people coming to Christ. We daydream about the next good time we'll have. Where are our daydreams? Where is our hunger? I told you 
that I had the diagnosis, but, but I also have the prescription this morning. Matthew 5, chapter 6. Let's go ahead and turn there. And I just want to warn you, the last time I did a Bible study with my family on Matthew chapter 5, within an hour we were all yelling and screaming at each other, and things got ugly. We have an enemy. Here's the prescription. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Entertainment will not satisfy you. Food will never satisfy you. A better relationship will not satisfy you. Your spouse getting their stuff together finally will not satisfy you. None of those things will satisfy. In Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5, and you guys, some of you will know this one, and I love this. I was actually talking about this verse with my best friend at like 1 a.m. This, can I tell you something? You need a best friend that you have these kind of conversations at 1 a.m. with. We said this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Desire, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know what that doesn't mean? Like, you know, I'd really like a new car, a fast new car, cherry red. Okay, I want a new car. Let me go des delight myself in the Lord. Woo, I'm delighting myself with the Lord, going to church, having a good time. Now I'm just waiting for that car. That is not what that verse means. You know what that means? If I begin to delight myself with the Lord, I begin to find satisfaction in Him and Him alone. And while I'm delighting myself in the Lord, I start to find out that my desires begin to shift and change. My hunger begins to become for something that I never knew I was hungry for. I begin to delight myself in the Lord. I begin to seek His face. And all of a sudden, my emotions, my will, my hunger, my desires are bent towards Him. And now I have new desires. My desires are for Him. My desires are for the things of God. And what I begin to find is he begins to give me these new desires of my heart that I never knew I wanted. This is what the psalmist is saying. Delight yourself with the Lord. You'll become a new person. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you want your heart to feel truly satisfied? Then you begin to delight yourself in the Lord. Not in, you know, My kids were actually good today. That's where I find my delight is in my kids' behavior. Well, then you're going to be miserable about 50% of the time, maybe more. I don't know. It depends on the kids. My coworkers were nice to me today. If you delight yourself in that, you will not meet the desires of your heart. Man, I'm, I think I'm going to finally get the raise I deserve. That's where you're delighting yourself. You'll never find the desires of your heart, but if you will delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. It's a promise from God, and it excites me. Like, this is the hope in which we can find. 
In John 6.35, we, we read this. In John 6.35, Jesus, he says to the crowds, I am the bread of life. It's like he said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He's like, I have water. If you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. Turn with me to Psalms 107. It's going to be about the middle of your Bible. The 107th Psalm. It's kind of lengthy, but we're not going to read all of it. Worship team, can you go ahead and come back up? And I'm going to have my friend Wes come up here in just a second and talk to you. Psalm 107. I'll read. I'll, I'm willing to focus on verses 4 through 9, but let's start from the beginning. He says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who is redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands from the east, the west, north, south. Verse 4. Some wandered in deserts, wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul. For he satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul, he fills with good things. See, here's the problem. We're not hungry. We're not hungry. But here's the solution. He satisfies the hungry. God satisfies the hungry. Go to verse 33. It says he turns rivers into a desert. Think about that. He turns rivers into a desert. Why would God turn a river into a desert? Springs of water into thirsty ground. A fruitful land to a salty waste. Why? Because of its evil inhabitants. Verse 35, he turns a desert into pools of water a parched land into springs of water and there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in they sow fields and plant vineyards that yields fruit like like the thing here is like If we're not careful, we can get to a place where we're so satisfied by the things of the world, we're no longer hungry for the things of God. And can I tell you, in that moment, the greatest thing that can happen to us is God takes everything away. 
and forces us to be hungry for him again. But if we hunger for him, he will fill us with him. Next Sunday, we are starting a Daniel's fast and I'm, I'm calling on us as a church to participate. And can I tell you, this is not a, let's compare notes and see how, like, well, I'm fasting more things than you are. That's, that's not it. You're missing the point. Jesus said in Matthew, when you fast, don't let anybody else know you're doing it. Don't, don't walk around all like disheveled and like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm, you know, I'm fasting. I, I really, I really mistake. Why do you mistake? Well, you know, my church has been fasting. Like that's, Jesus said, if that's what you're going to do, that's your reward. Good. You got the reward of making people think you're so spiritual and holy. Jesus said, when you fast, buck up. Smile, wash your face, comb your hair, and don't let anyone know. So we're not fasting to prove to the community that we're really spiritual. We're not fasting to prove to one another we're really spiritual. We're fasting to force ourselves to be hungry for Him. And this is my call, and it's especially to the, to the men and leaders of homes. And, and ladies, I invite you to join us as well. But I just think it's powerful when the men step up and lead the way God called us to. And men, what I'm calling us to do is to fast on Tuesdays two meals, breakfast and lunch. It will make you hungry. Well, we should be more spiritual, Pastor, and fast an entire day. I'd say go for it. If that's what you're feeling the Lord telling you to do, then go for it. But on Tuesdays, giving up breakfast and lunch and what you will find yourself being is really hungry and really hangry and feeling really weak and really vulnerable. And in that moment, instead of lashing out at your coworkers or your kids or your spouse or whoever, when you're feeling that weakness saying, Jesus, I feel weak and what I really need is you. The bad news for our repairs, we've lost our hunger. The good news is we have a faithful God. We have a faithful God that wants us to know the unknowable. Bow your heads for just a second. Let's keep it simple this morning. What's one thing that you're using to satisfy your hunger that you shouldn't be using? I'm not saying you don't know Jesus. I'm not saying you're lost. Maybe you are. I don't know. I look across this room. I think everyone in this room knows Christ. But my question is, what's the one thing, maybe two things, but one thing you're using to satisfy a hunger? that you need to put down. And I know it's hard. I know why you keep going back to it. Your, your brain was desi designed that way. But it's time to say, Lord, 
I need some healing in my brain in this area. I, I need to surrender to you in this area. That might be hard, but Lord, even if it's hard, I hunger for you. Now look this way. He has riches of mercy. He has new mercies every morning. He wants to fill you up with new things this year. It's the first day of 2023. Hey, thank you for letting me diagnose us. But can I tell you something? There's good things coming. There's good things coming. Like God is faithful to his word. And he will fill us up. He will fill us up. He is faithful to his word. That's where you shout amen right there. You can do it. He will fill us up. Can I tell you what excites me? Can I, can I be honest what excites me? It excites me that I'm walking through the back of the sanctuary during our worship service. And I see John Stanley, who's known the Lord for years. He's weeping because of the goodness of the Lord. And I'm thinking, he hasn't got bored with Jesus yet. He's been serving God almost his whole life. And he's standing in the back weeping because of the goodness of the Lord, that there's a hunger still there. And I rode with this man to Ark City and back. We were in the car together for nine hours. And to listen to him just talk about the hunger of God and his life and, and the way this man has seen God move in his family's life. You know why he's seeing God move in his family's life? Because there's a hunger for God. And if I were to bring him up here, he would say, you know, yeah, there is, but there's areas still I need to be more hungry in. You know why? Because when you satisfy yourself with the things of God, you just become more hungry for the things of God. There's a depth. There's a depth that happens. And that's your part. I won't get into your part here in a second. But there's a depth in God. Do you realize that the joy of the Lord is so deep? It's a pool that you can dive into and you try to swim to the bottom. Remember when you were a kid and tried to swim, swim to the bottom of the deep end just to prove you were cool? Remember that? I'm going to tell you something right now. You cannot swim to the deep end of God's pool. Like you get down there and you think you've reached the bottom only to find out it keeps going. And it keeps going. It's the miracle of His grace. The miracle of His goodness. The miracle of the depths of His love. He is good. He is good. Do you want to do this or do you want to sing some? I don't know, man. I don't even. Will you stand up? Like, can I tell you I'm not discouraged at all? Like, can I tell you, I'm not discouraged at all. Do you know why? Because God has convicted me. Like, anytime God convicts you of sin, that shouldn't discourage you. Like, oh, God's so judgmental. He's convicted me of sin. No, He loves you and He's reaching for you. He's trying to pull you into deeper places. He's trying to draw you into His love in a greater way. So we get ourselves in the altar and we say, oh, God, just convict me of even more sin. 
Because can I tell you something? If he's convicting you of sin, then you're hearing his voice today. That means you're hearing his voice today. It's the moment you wake up and you don't feel bad about it. Like, well, if you're not feeling about anything at all, it might be because you're living right too. I don't want to go off into some wonky theology here. It could be because you're just living really good. It also could be because you've become complacent and you're just not hungry anymore. But thank God who's called for on our house this morning and said, hey, where's your hunger? Where's your hunger? Are you searching the depths of my love? Are you searching the depths of my love? Wes, will you come? I'm going to have you share. I, I think this is the right place and the right time. on to some of the stuff that you've said and I want to appreciate you and your humbleness about the 200 being baptized but the truth is Drew that's not on you entirely it's on all of us it's 100% on all of us I appreciate you this morning and your honesty and wanting to be accountable for the worship team. But whether they get in or not, it's not on you. Uh, trust me. Like, I want everybody in. But it's not on you. Your job is to show us how and where to go. Your job is to give us the truth that ignites the fire. Our responsibility is whether we do it or not. I appreciate you, Drew. I appreciate you, Steph. I, I, like, dude, I'll start crying if I start, like how much you guys just mean to us, right? But here's the truth. Your decisions on what you fill yourself with determine whether you go into the wilderness in a land of lack or into the land of plenty with the Lord. Your decisions you are accountable for. Whether you get there or not, it's on you. It's your choice. The Lord has given you everything. You have to decide whether you want it or not, and you have to get in. It, it's on me for me and my household. It's on Danny for his and his household. It's on Cricket for his and his household. I can pick on them. It's okay. It's, it's on me whether my wife gets in or not. Is I am the demonstration of Christ in my household. That's how it flows. You can't get in heaven one day or stand before the Lord one day and say, well, Drew didn't tell me or Drew didn't do this for me or Drew didn't get in this for me. It's on you. You're accountable. Yeah. Praise God. I believe I have a word for Forerunner House of Prayer for 2023. And Drew has beautifully flowed into exactly what the Lord is saying. It was dead on. 
in Ephesians chapter 3, which is great. He had you in 2. He had me in 3. Like, it's beautiful. The unity of the Holy Spirit is a beautiful thing. It's your choice whether you're in it or not. Starting in chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened, this is for you, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in your inner man, in your inner woman. He's giving you everything. You don't have to lack in strength. You don't have to lack in courage. He's giving it all out of His abundance. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. He's giving you the ability to know the love that you can't possibly know. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. We should be so excited about the word of the Lord and what He's done for us on the cross. What has happened through Christ. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you, again He's coming right back to you. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't see any lack there. Again, you decide what you're filled with. You decide whether you go to the depths of this thing or not. It's your responsibility. You are being held accountable today in the house of the Lord for your choices, for your decisions. If you have sin in your life, that's the thing that's separating you from all the promises of the Lord. If you have sin in your life, get it out. Just stop. Just quit. And jump into everything He has for you. It's fullness beyond anything that you could ever comprehend. It's a fullness that you'll never know the depths of, but you can always go deeper into. That's the word of the Lord for 2023 for Forerunner House of Prayer is deeper. I believe the word of the Lord is see if you can find the bottom. Come on and jump in. Make the decision now to get in with everything that you are because I'm going to take you deeper in 2023 than you've ever been before in your life. But if you decide not to get in, it's on you. You're being held accountable today. It says now to Him. Lift your hands. Now to Him who is able. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But here's what it hinges on. It's according to the power that works in us. We sing a lot of songs about surrendering, about submitting. We sing a lot of songs about giving it all to Him, making room for Him. 
You guys do a great job in giving that to us, but you have to decide right now, are you going to submit to the Lord and let Him fill you and let all of the power that is available with the Lord work in you? It has to work in you. You have to cooperate. You have to get in. You have to submit, surrender, and give it all to the Lord. And He will take you deeper than you've ever been before. Now to Him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This morning, or yesterday, I felt like the Lord was giving me, me this word, and I had no idea, but this is the beauty of the Holy Spirit, right? So Jamie starts this morning with, it's your responsibility, your responsibility. It's on Wesley's heart. This is before we even get to church. Drew had this message. This is the beauty of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in each and every one of you. And so I had this message on my heart, and it was just like, I couldn't stop. So the enemy has a plan for this service. He has a plan for your life, but the Lord has a plan, and he has a plan for your life, right? And Jamie's and everyone else is saying, like, it's up to us. Do we get in? Do we not? And I felt like the Lord was just saying, this is a moment of a freedom for people. There's This is such a moment for freedom. And and he, he said, 2022, are you going into 2023 with the same thing you were dealing with with 2022? Are you, I mean, I'm not talking just about sin. I'm talking about comparison. I'm talking about what's keeping you outside of what's keeping you outside of sharing the gospel with people. Wesley said he's responsible for our household, but I'm responsible for getting in as well. He might be responsible for leading, but I'm responsible for my my part. And I was listening to this song last night, Upper Room was doing their Maranatha end of the year. And the song was, when I see your face, I will wish I would have gave more. When I see your face, I will wish I would have gave more. And guys, like people's lives are on the line. Do you understand that the enemy is coming to keep you, to keep you so wrapped up in your identity or whatever you deal with, whether you're dealing with comparison to other people, whether you're dealing with identity, whether you're dealing with sin, he is keeping you wrapped up in it. You know why? Because it's not just your freedom, it's someone else's freedom that you need to release to someone else. You wanna know what your identity in Christ is? Woo! Your identity in Christ is Matthew, goodness Mm, Matthew 10 and 25 but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and as you go preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick cleanse the lepers raise the dead cast out demons freely you have received so freely you give freely you have received so whatever the enemy is keeping you bound in I don't care if it's comparison I don't care if it's identity I don't care if it's sin he is calling you to lay it down today and I'm not saying you come to the altar and tomorrow you wonder if you if you really laid it down and you get to pick it back up no you lay it down and you don't pick it back up it does not go with you outside of these doors the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost is going to be here to meet you and you lay it down and you receive freedom and then you go release that to someone else because your testimony and what he's keeping you bound in is not just for the freedom of yourself it's for other people and it's serious guys there are people leaving this life and they don't know Jesus and it is serious 
Let's just pray, Father. Move in this place this morning. Lord, your word has gone forth. God, I just pray that each one of us would hear the word of the Lord this morning. God, that we would hear the word of the Lord this morning. You need to respond in any way you feel like you need to right now in this moment. However the Lord's telling you to respond, be obedient. 